Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Noteworthy Podcast. I am your host, Nathan French, and I feel very honored and privileged that you would hit play on the episode today. Today is going to be a very special episode with a dear friend, my friend DJ Hill. DJ currently serves as the Georgia District Director of Promotions, and he also serves as Pastor of Evangelism at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. DJ has a heart of gold and a heart for service. If you go to teen camp, senior camp, hyphen retreat, family camp or district conference, you name it, he's there and he's serving. He's ministered to my church and my students, and he's blessed us tremendously with his heart for God and his unique ability to connect with students of all ages. You know, I was talking to my wife, Rachel, the other day, and I said, mark my words, DJ and his wife, Natalie, are a power couple. And the sky is the limit for what God wants to do in their life. I feel very privileged and honored to get to interview him. And I know it's going to bless you. DJ shares his testimony with us. And he also talks to us about the importance of having a relationship with God. We break things down practically to everything from spiritual daily disciplines to what it means to work for God in the pulpit. And DJ is qualified in both of these things and really did an incredible job breaking it down for the listener. I know it's going to bless you. Before we dive in, I do just want to mention and and thank everyone uh, for rating the show and leaving a review. It means so much and it really helps get visibility on the show with Apple Podcast. So if you are listening on Apple Podcast, take just a quick break, hit pause, leave a review, and hit that four or five star button, and we would greatly appreciate it. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Today is going to bless you with my good friend, DJ Hill. Let's go. Tire and you're like, no, Lord, we broke. <laughs> yeah, we don't. God help us. We got to take another church. I'm 78, but I got a pastor because that's it. Or I'm working at Chick-fil-A. They're pretty close, actually. Hey, everyone. I am here with my dear friend and fellow youth committee worker, DJ Hill. DJ, how you doing today? Bro? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm I'm great. We're we're here uh, today is district conference. Uh, we just had meetings this morning. Great day. Just had a great lunch. And DJ was so kind and so gracious to uh, to come to the house. We're getting to hang out, drink coffee. Um, our wives are hanging out. We're having a good time. And DJ, I love you, man. Thank you for taking time to do this today. Well, your wife made cookies, so that's really why I came. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can always bribe me with food. Yes, there are cookies. There's coffee. Fellowship. It. It doesn't get better than this. This is what I love about doing the podcast. Um, but for you guys that are listening, um, DJ is actually our Georgia District um, Director of Promotions. He's also on staff at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. And correct me, is it is it is it considered Pastor of Evangelism? Yes, sir. Okay. He serves as Pastor of Evangelism, and he, he has an exciting job. And he yeah. gets to do a lot of exciting things. If you know DJ... And if you have met DJ, 
He is always working. He's always involved. He's always faithful. He is at everything, everywhere, all the time. And that's just the kind of guy he is. He has a heart to serve. Um, But DJ, kicking things off, I want to just talk a little bit about your district role for a second. And if you could tell us about your role as Georgia District Director of Promotion, some people might know what that is, some people might not. What does that role look like for you every day? Yeah, well, thank you first for your kind words. Um, I'm glad you got my mom's email about all the nice things that I am and, you know, some of the exaggerated stuff. It's all true. Uh, But I love being able to serve as director of promotion. Uh, Georgia is my heartbeat. My first and most important role is I assist our youth president at fulfilling our mission, equipping and educating students to evangelize and disciple their world and also to make sure that they're on their way to heaven. Uh, I lead communication and promotion to pastors, ministers, churches, and then students about all of our events, She's for Christ, and any other prevalent information. I lead social media on all platforms. Also with the team that's underneath me, I do stage design and all that, all the other aesthetics at our camps. I assist all at all the GDYM events, our three camps in the summer, Extreme, our Atlanta Youth Convention. I help promote all of our ministries, She's for Christ, Project 7, Campus Ministry International, Apostolic Youth Corps, Senior Bible Quizzing, Hyphen, and then also UPCI Ooh. Youth Ministries. I uh, promote those through our page. And also, uh, anytime I get to preach at youth rallies or revivals around Georgia, I make sure to at some point mention the GDYM, the Georgia District Youth Ministries, to get that word out right. about what we're doing. Right. Um, and I just want to promote those events and kind of our mission of educating and equipping our students. Man. That's awesome, bro. It's such an important role, and uh, I just want to say publicly, man, you're doing such a fantastic job at it, and I feel honored. Um, DJ and I serve on the team together. I'm the section section five youth director. We're actually are in the same section, so he's my leader. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that, but (laughs) but we get to work together, and bro. Uh, it's just a high honor getting to do that with you. Oh, yeah. And uh, we have a lot of fun along the way, get to do a lot of cool stuff together. We've gone skydiving together. That was crazy. Yes, um, I loved it. Would you tell us a little bit about that? We have, y'all think I'm kidding. We are not kidding. We have actually gone skydiving together. Yes. Um, would you tell our listeners about that? So we told the young people of Georgia District that if they raise a certain amount of money for She's for Christ, <laughs> That all of our uh, committee will get pushed out anxiety, of the plane. Just thinking about it, and so oh. uh, that was the bright idea. And we talked about it at our uh, extreme, which is the last event before the She's for Christ offering date in August. And so the young people raised that much money. So we all meet in uh, Thomaston, Georgia, and we got on this raggedy plane. And uh, they take us in the sky, and then the door opens up, and you're just speaking uh. in tongues, you're uh. screaming inside, and the guy says, "Are you ready?" And you jump out of the plane. Uh, it was funny because a, a hashtag kind of went viral in the Georgia district. Uh, it was giraffes do fly because they said I looked like a shoelace falling through the air, how lanky I was. And uh, I also still have a little bitterness in my heart towards the committee because y'all found the shortest guy that worked there to be strapped to my back. So I felt like I had a backpack. He was kicking me in the back of my knees uh, and he couldn't reach my wrist to help me direct the parachute. That was a little scary. bro. Uh, but oh. it was insane. It was it was a blast. It was beautiful after the parachute uh, it went was terrifying. Out. It was yeah. terrifying. Would you do it again? I would. Ugh. I would. I one thing that scared me more than the distance was Michael Ellerby, our Section Two uh, Youth Director. He went right before me, and when they opened, when his parachute opened, yeah, no it ripped. Uh, and so goodness. I'm screaming at my guy. I'm like, "Hey, let's go get him!" He was like, "If his parachute ripped, then ours definitely is going to rip." 
So I was above him in the sky, and I was looking down at him tumbling and spinning. They're trying to get back straight to release a secondary parachute. And I think I'm about to lose Michael Ellerby, our point guard at camp, and a dear friend of mine, and it was crazy. It was really sweet when they landed, though. He hugged his wife, and they're all crying, and the kids are hugging him. It's like a little Hallmark Hallmark moment. It was pretty sweet. sweet. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You know, honestly, once I heard that that happened, that was a wrap for me. I'm like, I'm good. (laughs) I served my district. We earned the money. We're good to go. But um, so... Director of promotion, you know, you've you've done so much. How long have you been the DOP? I've been director of stuff for uh, a little bit over four years now. Okay, director of stuff for yeah, four years. Yeah, that's my official title, more the, than director of promotion. The official stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so what's your, um, what would you say has been your funniest story um, at the campground so far? Oh, uh, I already know exactly what it is. So I was giving I away something for free. And I said, someone has to do something crazy. So kids are screaming. Someone stands on the chair. I was like, I've seen that before. That's not crazy. Well, this kid who is new in church, like just a couple months in church, period, uh, he's there and he takes off his shirt. Uh, (laughs) And there's girls in the room. It's not like a men's split session. He takes off his shirt. And so I sit there and I see all the staff cut his way. And um, I was was like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. You know, put your shirt back on. I just threw the shirt out and left. Uh, and walked away. That's been one of the funniest ones that I've been involved in. The second one was uh, one of our youth committee members plugged up his trailer into the plumbing <laughs> of the boys' dorm, and he actually put the inlet and the outlet and the oh. outlet and the inlet. So every Tuesday at 3 a.m., it automatically flushes its system, all the shower water and all the bathroom uh, liquids and extracurricular activities <laughs> uh, gets flushed out down the system that it's plugged into. But we didn't know that he plugged out into the end. So all of a sudden, at 3 in the morning, out of the boys' bathroom, starting to seep onto the ground of the boys' dorm, no. is um, all the stuff from the trailer. Uh. And it was wonderful. So I'm in the staff dorm at this time, and I hear all this ruckus outside. So I think the kids are breaking out, or they're about to prank, or wrap cars, or toilet roll. The staff dorm are doing something. So I look out, and it looked like the Exodus, kind of like Moses. <laughs> they were going through the Red Sea. Everyone had a mattress on top of their head, and on top of the mattress was all of their clothes. And they were walking in a straight line, half sleep, walking to the to the sanctuary, and they were thought he was going to sleep on the ground in there. It was just wonderful, and the dorm stunk. We had to clean it up, but we didn't know why it happened. We just thought someone might have flushed too much toilet paper, and it just mm-hmm. backed up everything, all the showers and everything. So we didn't fix the problem. So the next week at senior camp, it did. 3 a.m. on Tuesday, <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, the earth opened up and everything. You would have came thought up. we learned from our mistakes. Yeah, it was great. No, and there was another exodus. It was wonderful. <laughs> it smelled horrendous, bro. Wow. Only at camp. Only oh, yeah. at Georgia District Youth Camp. It is always such a good time. And man, I'm thankful for all that you do and all that uh, the other youth committees uh, members do. It really is a blessing. We and, have a great team. And I believe that only eternity will tell uh, what is really happening at those weeks of camp because I've. I've had testimonies, we've heard testimonies, but the majority of youth ministry, we will never know until we get to heaven how many lives that we have impacted and that you've impacted, and I'm thankful for that. Now, you have uh, a call of God on your life. Everybody's known it. It's it's on you. God's using you in a mighty way, and I I wanted to kind of shift gears here for a minute and see if you would mind sharing your testimony. Uh, and because there's a lot of listeners, that, the, the demographic of the podcast has like 13 to 29. Oh, cool. That's the most common age group, right? Yeah, awesome. And so within that age group, 
it can be easy to look at people like yourself and say, man, he's got it all together. <laughs> he's got a ministry, right? Yeah. And and you, I know you're laughing, but I'm being like, for yeah. real, people look no, at I, you I understand. And, and they think, you know, I want to be like that. Yeah. I want to have a ministry like that. And so, but I wonder if you could kind of share your testimony, okay. right? Because yeah. it was a journey to get here. Mm-hmm. And people that are close to you know that testimony. I know you've shared it with a lot of students, yeah. and I know you're open with this, so mm-hmm. I feel comfortable asking you. Would you tell us a little bit about your your testimony and when you first felt the call of God on your life? Oh, yeah, I would love to. So first, I, I want to honor my wife, Natalie Hill, uh, the love of my mm-hmm. life. She is amazing. She's awesome, uh, she makes bro. me a better person. She's awesome. And I love her testimony more, so I'll just say it briefly. Yeah. She never smoked. She never drank. Wow. Um, I was the first guy's hand who she even held. Man. Um, she never That's kissed good. another guy before me until we started dating seriously after I talked with her pastor and her father multiple times and we dated for months and it was close to engagement when we first kissed. And so her testimony is way better than mine because God kept her and she didn't have to go do all that stuff. She experienced wow. the joy of the Lord at a young age. And Man. so I, I'm not jealous. I'm thankful for God taking me where I'm about to say. But I am thankful for people that have that testimony. That is one of the greatest testimonies. I was preaching at a service, and I wanted uh, some of the older young people to kind of be an example to the young people there so that when I leave, they have someone to look up to. And I turned to a young man. I said, I want you to share a testimony. He looked at me, and he started crying and said, I don't have a testimony. I've never even cussed. I I haven't drank. I've never fought. I've never partied. And I started crying. I said, I wish I wish I could say that. Yeah. That, that is a testimony in yeah. itself, yeah. you know, because one day, God willing, my son will have that testimony that I didn't have to go through the things my dad went through, that he's like my wife and like his mom, that he stayed in church right. and God kept him. So first and foremost, everything I say, I don't want it to glorify me or uh, a nightmare about my life. Um, this is all to glorify God. But if you if you haven't done this stuff, don't think you have to do it to be used of God. My best That's friend, true. Cullen, has the same testimony. He's an incredible man of God, uh, incredible, and I look up to him so much. So my testimony, in a nutshell, my mom and dad met in Germany. She was born there. Uh, she was an orphan for the majority of her younger life until her real mom came into her life. Um, her mom told her, you know, I gave you up to adoption because uh, your dad is Moroccan and he left me when he found out that I was pregnant. So that's why I had to put you up uh, for foster care. My dad, as soon as he graduated high school in 77, he joined the military, uh, traveled around and eventually got stationed in Germany. They met, got married, had my two sisters, and then they were pregnant with me when we moved to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, where I was born, then to Fort Meade, Maryland, and then to Fort Benning, Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. Wow. Uh, My mother was raised Catholic. My dad was raised Baptist. And they both found truth together, which was really cool. And so for my younger years, I went to Sunday school. I was a Bible quizzer for a couple of years. And, um, you know, I loved going to church and all that. I was participated in uh, Sunday school. And then at age 10, they separated. And because they separated, they even started to live in separate houses. Uh, I just went crazy. I spiraled downward. I didn't have any accountability. I was a maverick. I could do what I wanted, no curfew. So for six years, I partied. Uh, I was extremely violent. Um, there's unfortunately holes in the wall in my old bedroom. Uh, I, I fought my dad, uh, friends. I fought a school teacher and got suspended for it. I fought uh, teachers' kids. I fought in school. Um, I got arrested a few times for just being stupid. Uh, wrong place, wrong time. I would steal, kicking doors. Uh, just really mischievous because I couldn't understand why why things were going the way they were going. My mom was no longer in church. Um, uh, no one was telling me I had to do anything. And I had all this energy, all this anger, all these questions and fears. And 
nobody was guiding me. And so I was kind of just a loose cannon and I was insane. It's funny because I stopped going to camp around this time for a few years. And Brother Batten, who uh, was a section director at that time, he also pastors in Columbus. Uh, he told me after I got in church and went to Bible college, he said, I didn't think you was going to make it living for God wow. because you, you were just so insane. And so it's only by God's grace. Oh, so at 16, I decided to come back to camp uh, for girls and for basketball. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to play in the All-Star game that week because I got in a fight, actually. So uh, I lost wow. All-Stars. And Luke Levine was preaching. Mm -hmm. And he preached on David and all the things that David went through, that he was out in the field um, his, he wasn't really a part of his family like that. He would, his family didn't believe in him. He was just kind of on his own. But he had a call of God on his life, and he would kill giants, and he would, he would even make mistakes but would be used of God and be called a man after God's own heart because of the anointing. And so that day he preached on the anointing and talked about if you want your life to be changed and you want to experience the adventures of God and what God can really have for you, a purpose, then you need the anointing. And so um, I prayed hard that day. I prayed so hard. And then I started to walk to the back after prayer and an elder in our district approached me and said, God's not done with you. Go find a place and pray. So I went to the side where our side door is and I kind of went under some pews where no one was around and no one came and prayed for me. And I just, I really cried and I was asking God, why, why did I walk in and see this as a young man? Um, why, why was I molested? Why can I not overcome years wow. of addiction to pornography? Why, wow. why, why am I so violent? Why do I love <clears throat> fighting? And um, I just casted all my cares on God and really was broken before him like I never really was before. Yeah. And I yeah. prayed all through the night games that day mm -hmm. and everyone's going back to the dorm. So this is like an hour and a half after the mm -hmm. altar call. And I was just really wrestling with God that day. And I started to walk back to the dorms because I knew it was time to go to bed. And that elder approached me and said, here's my keys and my golf cart. I already told everyone on the radio that you're not done praying. Go find a place and pray. So I drove to our softball field and every week before camp start, I drive to the softball field and I pray in that same spot. And I told God, I'm broken. I don't feel good enough. People don't believe in me. I don't have anything to offer you. But you said, I'm going through all this pain so that I can tell others about your love. Right. Help me. And one of two times I felt a vision Man. of God, a bona fide vision of God. And I was laying there and it was dark outside and it was light outside. And I was laying there on the ground, dead in a field, and I was confused. I was like, what does this mean, God? And I've never experienced a supernatural like that. And all of a sudden, out of my body, these roots started to come out, and they formed to a trunk, and then it formed to a, a cross. And these words started echoing in my spirit, and I prayed every day. And my sister from my graduation actually got someone to paint this for me, and it's hanging in my office at home. Oh, how I long for the day that I die to my identity, wow. and my identity is found in God's love shown through the cross. Wow. Oh and so that's goodness. when I felt the call of God for the very first time is all the pain, everything that I went through, every high and every low is another root that's that's merging together to make me who I am so I can share the love of God with others, no matter who they are, no matter where they are, that yeah. I just want to tell people that God loves them and that God has a plan for them and that they can be born again, that if they are in Christ, all old things are passed away and all things have become new. And so I, that, that day, I call it the night under the stars. Yeah. And so every, every week before camp season starts, I go back under those stars late at night wow. I didn't when know no one's awake and nobody knows. And I go and pray and I say, God, help me to work hard as I can this week at camp 
so that another student can experience what I experienced. So another wow. student can break the bonds of addiction and pain of their family. And they don't have to be what their family is, but they can feel the call of God and answer right. their purpose. Right. Um, so that's kind of my, my ministry. And I went back home that week and I, I just plugged in. I got involved. Um, I took out trash. I helped in the sound room. I straightened up chairs and I did all that. I never had a pulpit. I didn't know, you know, I didn't feel a call to preach. Then eventually I went to Bible college, which is another story, how I got there. I went to Bible college and I was sitting with my best friend Cullen and I said, I don't, I don't really know what my call is. And he said, go to the altar one more time. And that is the first time I felt a call to preach. So that kind of set the trajectory uh, as far as uh, my preaching ministry. But I think my first and foremost call is to love God and then serve right. uh, my pastor in the body of Christ. Amen. That's beautiful, DJ. I, I did not know some of those details. and uh, But I do have students in my youth group, and multiple uh, students have come up and said, DJ's testimony has really ministered to me. His story has really ministered to me. And and I thank you for sharing that with us. Yes, so you have a call on your life. You're you're stepping into the call, right? You're seeing God do things. Uh, what are some of your personal daily spiritual disciplines? And this is a this is a question I love um, to ask people. I know you love to ask men mm-hmm. of God this question. Yes. And uh, it's so important because I think if there is one thing this generation struggles with is daily discipline. Mm, I agree. You know, we're all about, you know, our generation, we're churched up, bro. We love some church. Mm-hmm. Like, we got church figured out. Brother John said it today. Yeah. We're good at church, right? We've right. got it figured out. But what are some things you do every day when you're not at church to help you walk in, in the call of God? Mm-hmm. Well, this question I kind of prayed about a little bit because I'm uncomfortable. Uh, Matthew 6, Jesus says, go into your prayer closet and kind of talk privately. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'll go into detail, but not too much because, you know, it's obviously under God, but I understand when men open right. up to me about their, their spiritual disciplines that it really does help me. Yeah. Uh, the first thing is pray first thing every single morning. Uh, when, morning. when I wake up, I put my alarm clock earlier than I need to, to start getting ready. Cause I need to pray. Uh, I'm, I'm carnal. I'm a man. And so I need to pray and die daily, bring myself under discipline. Uh, right. Paul, Paul himself said that I fast weekly. Um, I have Bible reading plans. Uh, right now I'm reading the Bible through a year, the Bible project, which is a really cool Bible study plan. And it has videos that go with it, kind of giving the overview of what uh, that book of the Bible is about. That's cool. One thing that I do periodically, at least like once a quarter, is a word fast. Uh, it's on the Version Bible app. So there's a 10-day one and a 40-day one, and it kind of gives a devotion about gossip and how we use our tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And it talks fast. about don't say things that are tearing people down. Instead, edify. Mm-hmm. Um, and so go on a word fast because I, I definitely don't want to be that person that gossips and goes through that. Uh, another thing is I listen to a sermon a day. That's very really? weird. Um, wow. But I listen to at least one sermon a day. One sermon a day. Sometimes even more. Uh, the reason is, is because when I first got in church, my mom, my mom isn't in church. She actually just the last few months started visiting a church again, which I'm extremely thankful for. Um, I'm so blessed for that. Um, I was really struggling because she left church and, uh, it's her testimony. So I'll let her tell it, but she, she was believing other things and my dad's praying to Jesus. So I'm hearing two different beliefs as a young man and where I'm still malleable and I'm confused. And so Rashidi Collins preached at Youth Congress, and he quoted the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6.4. Mm-hmm. Um, Shema Israel Adonai Oheinu Adonai Echad. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And I literally recorded that on my phone, and that was my alarm clock every day for over a year. Wow. Because I was struggling with the identity of God and who God is. And so every morning when I woke up, I listened to that clip. That's the first thing I heard when I woke up is that there is only one God, and that's ingrained in me. I love the Word of God. And so listening to a sermon a day helps me. Uh, if I know that uh, I, I'm starting to get bitter or something, I'll listen to a sermon. If I know I'm wow. struggling with my faith, I'll, I'll pull up a sermon on faith. If I know um, I need to talk about forgiveness or conviction or whatever it is, I want to be preached to daily yeah. so that when I show up on Sunday to church, uh, I'm ready to pour into others. So right. listening to a sermon a day, I meditate weekly, uh, specific time where I sit uh, aside from everything else, no phone, no anything, and I just think. And um, it's not prayer. It's not even listening to God. It's just I clear my head and just meditate on God's word. Whatsoever things are lovely, just, pure, holy, if there be any good virtue, good report, um, think on these things. So that's what I do weekly. Um, I teach Bible studies weekly. The Bible says that they went into the temple in Acts 2.46, but they also went into the house and God added to the church daily. And so I think Bible studies is a spiritual discipline that we practice tomorrow. Um, at one o'clock, I'm teaching Kevin and a new guy, Sean, which is his friend that he invited. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to have Chick-fil-A. Wow. Um, bless God. I love Chick-fil-A. And That's then awesome, do bro. a Bible study. I think Bible studies is so important. And if you can't tell me where you're praying, where you're, when you're fasting, when you're reading the Bible, uh, who you're teaching a Bible study with and where and what you're teaching them, then it, I would say majority of people aren't doing it if they can't tell me where. And so right. um, Bible studies, evangelism, and discipleship is a spiritual discipline uh, that Jesus practiced and the disciples practiced. So I try to do that. And I stay accountable in all those spiritual disciplines to my wife first. She lives with me, so she knows uh, if I'm not praying because she definitely can tell. My best right. friend Cullen and my spiritual father, Brother Cressman. Um, and then my last two spiritual disciplines is rest. Um, not necessarily a full Sabbath day, but I take time where I just bum. I have a bum mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. um, I try not to do any work. I try not to do anything that stresses me out, and I just rest. Uh, the Bible talks about rest. I think it's very important. And then my last spiritual discipline is a spiritual detox. Um, my wife and I, on occasion, we've detoxed from social media for months on end where we don't get on at all. Um, we don't watch anything, uh, no YouTube or anything like that, and just detox so that we're not so desensitized to all the sin and all the bad stuff that's around, um, which is very important because since I was away from church, I, I heard cussing so much that it didn't bother me anymore, frankly. Yeah. And it wasn't until I did a detox where I stopped watching movies for an extended period of time that when I heard a cuss word going and playing basketball at a gym, I was like, ooh, that, that doesn't sound good. Right. I heard it again. But for a long time, I it just went in one ear and I didn't even notice it. Wow. Um, so even seeing sexual images or fighting and violence or anything that's going against God, um, to do a detox so that you can kind of get your mind back on God. And uh, Paul really wrote to that, all the sins, but even those that take pleasure in those sins. And so I want to make sure to do a detox so I stop taking pleasure in those things. Right. right. So that's uh, kind of my spiritual disciplines throughout the week. Man, that's so good, DJ. Um, now with your sermon a day, um, do you have any resources? Like do you go to YouTube? Do you Is it a podcast? Um, if somebody wanted to take on a discipline of trying to listen to more preaching, how do you go about that? YouTube is, uh, a, there's a plethora there mm. uh, because of the times, and there's all kind of different ones uh, that have so many sermons. Uh, people's church, churches, your, your church has a podcast that I can go and listen to, and I do. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan, Brother French, I apologize, Brother Ryan French preached a message a few months back about a wolf and a sheep, and it was a great message. So I love uh, to do that. There's churches all over um, that 
live stream and put their services online. So on my iTunes, when I started buying sermons at camps, when I visit places, general conference, all the seminaries, all the sessions, every service I can get a buy them. Buy them. Um, okay. Not just my favorite preachers, but all, all kind yeah. of preachers buy that them. are truth preaching, truth preaching. And right. uh, on my iTunes, if you click play, I have over a week and a half of nonstop sermons. That's no music or anything else, just sermons. So I kind of just piled up a bunch of sermons. When I go places, I buy them. And that kind of helps me have a place. But YouTube definitely is a good place to start that. Yeah. I like that you emphasize truth preachers because I have seen people get messed up doctrinally because they've just been listening to the wrong preachers. Yep. And I, I'm glad that you said that because it is important that you are pumping truth into your life. Yep. And, and you know, I, I said that to somebody one time. They said, well, is every book you read about the mm. Bible written by an apostolic? I said, well, no. Uh, and it, it kind of convicted me because there are some books I don't read. There are some, you know what I mean? Even yeah. if it's about the Bible. Right. And, and I know that... And what's your take on that? Because I know that we have to be well-versed, mm-hmm. right? I know we have to see where false doctrine is coming from so mm-hmm. we can combat that with truth. Right. Um, right. But have you ever seen somebody just get so many false perceptions in their mind because they've just they've been listening to the wrong preacher right. for too I would, long. I would definitely say so. Um, so a big thing for me is so many people try to oppose. In our generation, we like opposition. It's, mm-hmm. it's Democrats versus Republicans. It's America right. versus them. It's white versus black. We, we try to divide everything. Yeah. Sometimes it can easily be a it's this true. and that. So for me, as far as truth preachers and how you're being influenced— Brother Court Chavis preached a message at Impact in Columbia, Mississippi a few years back. No Smiths in Israel. That's on uh, the Impact Conference website. You need to go and listen to it. And he talked about how the Philistines could never defeat the children of Israel. But one thing they did is they started to kill all the Smiths, all the people who create weapons. Oh, wow. And so that's eventually why there was only two swords in all of Israel. Only two swords. So where were the Israelites going and getting their weapons from? From the Philistines. Oh, wow. There was no more Smith in Israel. So I have books that are written by non-apostolics, and I do read them sometimes. Right. But yeah. my biggest intake better be truth. Right. I first go to the Word of God because that's the ultimate Smith, because that's the only absolute truth. Every other book is, is secondary, but right. the Bible must be my highest priority um, because the Bible itself says that everything you need can be found in it. Finances, relationship advice, uh, building a church, business thing, all that is built on that. Before all these books was written, they get it from biblical principles, right. how to treat people, how to love God, how to be consistent. So first and foremost, I don't ever want to read other books more than I'm reading the Bible. Right. I always want to first start at the Bible and end at the Bible. Yeah. With sermons, Google is not my sermon. Mm-hmm. Bible is my sermon. Now, if, if I... Oh, a lion eating a gazelle in the wilderness. If I want to use that as an illustration, I better go back to the Bible and build off of that and not build off of some illustration or some non-apostolic, non-truth preaching person because salt water and fresh water can't mix. Mm -hmm. They just can't. So though we're in the world, we're not of the world. So we can't take the world's practices and try to apply them to us as much as we would like to. And that's why I'm so thankful for Motion Conference in Houston, Texas, Brother Whaley doing that because he's doing this conference about how to church, the nuts and bolts of church, because I want to go to an apostolic church and learn how to do small groups and how to do better guest services rather than just always going to these other uh, denominations and learning how to do stuff. And I do learn things from them as well. 
but I want to make sure the best of my ability that I go to our apostolic smiths because those are the ones that are going to have the tried and true word right. that I truly believe. Man, that's powerful. I need to go find that message. I can send it to you. But I have it. I, uh, I interviewed Victor Jackson on the podcast, and he said that um, make sure that reading books about the Bible doesn't replace reading the Bible. Yep. You know, I agree. So I love that. I got to uh, pick up Brother Terry Schott from the airport one time when he was preaching at our church. And um, I asked him that question, and he's very uh, he's a straight shooter. And I said, so what kind of books do you recommend for me? I'm a young minister. I just you know recently married. Help me out. And he said, the Bible. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And he was like, yeah, that's what I read, because everything we need is in the Bible. Now, Ooh. there is benefit in other books, and he'll say that as well. But we got to be very careful if we're learning how to make weapons and how to fight from other places outside of the Bible. Right. And it's so easy to do that because they already did the groundwork. So just take swords from the Philistines. Yeah. And, but that's not what we're called to yeah. do. I just read a book called Addicted to Busy that yes. kind of convicted me Very big time. Good. And, uh, you know, great writer, mm-hmm. really good stuff in there. Nothing I disagreed with. Um, what would be a book that you would recommend maybe that isn't written by an apostolic, but just has great content? So for leaders right now, Carrie Newhoff didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. It's seven challenges that you didn't think we would face, but all of us do as leaders. So that would be one of the first ones. Um, and then for, for students, um, young ministers, I would say devote 365. And that's not a plug necessarily, but beyond trying to read all these books, self-improvement and self-help and all this mm-hmm. stuff, Read something that gets you closer in the Word of God, that right. gets you learning to have a steady diet of the Word of God. Yeah. Before you try to go to all this other stuff, have a foundation of the Word of God first. So I would say Devote 365, um, those are great devotionals. Which is now in podcast format. <laughs> yeah, I know a guy actually that's doing the voice <laughs> yeah. over. It's pretty Woo. cool. Man, that's some cool stuff. <laughs> Hey everyone, I really hope that you're enjoying the interview so far. This is an incredible conversation and it just gets better from here. I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. The good news is, is that you get to hear the remainder of this interview next week on the Noteworthy Podcast. The bad news is, is that I'm cutting it off here for this episode uh, and you won't get to hear the rest until next week, but that's okay tune in next week. DJ and I are great friends. We ended up talking for about an hour and 10 minutes. So I decided to split this interview into two parts for the sake of time and everybody's schedule. So thank you for tuning in. We've got some exciting topics we hit on next week in the part two of the interview. We're going to talk about some embarrassing moments that DJ has experienced on platforms. We're going to talk about the call to preach, about his preaching style, his practical preaching style, some spiritual disciplines that he implements into his preaching. We're going to talk about some powerful worship experiences that we have encountered, and then DJ will leave us next week with some advice to Generation Z. So guys, thank you for tuning in. Don't worry, we'll be back next week with the part two of this conversation. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day.